You're listening to the Organize My Thoughts podcast, where we teach you how to get out of your head so you can execute the vision. I am your host, Kyla Jackson. Let's get started. Hello, family, and welcome back to another episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. I hope you all are having an amazing week. It's midweek. It's almost Friday, and I am excited. The weather here has been beautiful. I've been making sure I've been getting outside, taking my walks, and, you know, just switching up the environment that I work in. It is so important, especially if you work from home, to just get outside of that space because it can just get so stuffy, you know, like we need our vitamin D. Speaking of things that we need, don't forget to click the link in the show notes to subscribe to my email newsletter so that you can get access to bi-weekly tips, accountability strategies, and secret access to master classes I'll be doing throughout the quarter to help you to begin to execute on your ideas and organize your thoughts. But anyway, guys, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode, y'all. Today's episode is an absolute read. Originally, I had gotten the revelation first about the episode after spending some time with God, uh, reflecting on my own circumstance. And then as he began to explain to me what today's episode was about, things started coming together. So as you can see by the title, and more importantly, we're going to open up together through this experience as God exposes us in this safe place. So let's go ahead and get right into it. As you can see by the title, we're going to be able to determine today whether you are a control freak or not. Now, I just want to say, I feel like all of us struggle with some forms of control depending on the different circumstance, but then there are some of us who lean more towards the obsessive side of control where we are actually feeling very anxious when things aren't going our way or when things We can't predict the outcome of things. And so this is a very serious issue and it affects our walk with God. It affects our relationships with other people. And so we really want to dive deep into this. And so I'm going to read this article um, by Forbes and it's called Seven Signs You're Control Free. And originally I was going to come up with my own, but I felt like this article did such a great job of describing these characteristics um, so that we can all be able to identify with them. And it's so important because as I was thinking about doing this on my own, it's kind of hard to identify if you are something, if you don't have the right language. So as I'm going through these terms, even after I say like the headlines, make sure you really listen and do an honest self-evaluation. This is going to require you to open up, to come out of pride and really to deal with this. Because if you identify with it, I'm going to give you the revelation that God gave me at the end of the episode for how you can surrender those control issues. But first, let's go ahead and identify if you are a control freak. So according to the Forbes article, the first sign that you can tell if you struggle with control is you aren't a good team player. It says joining a team means that you have to give up some control. After all, you can't orchestrate everything that happens when you are only responsible for 10% of the outcome. So many control freaks prefer to be a lone wolf over a team player. And when they must be part of a team, they quickly try to dictate everyone's behavior. So if you prefer to be working by yourself or working with a team or when you join a team, you start trying to dictate everything and control, just put a finger up. No judgment here. My finger is definitely up. Number two, 
You believe that you are 100% responsible for your success. It says control freaks believe with enough effort and skill, they can accomplish anything. They don't believe in timing or luck. They often say things like failure isn't an option. And they are overly critical of themselves when things don't go as planned. So if you find yourself just really against failure, you're trying to avoid every possible mistake, and you are very hypercritical of yourself, go ahead and put a finger up. Number three, you invest a lot of time into trying to convince other people to change. It says most control freaks believe they know what is best for everyone, and they try to convince other people to do things differently. Whether they lecture, become aggressive, or manipulate things behind the scenes, they want to make other people act a certain way. Now, I want to point out that this isn't really coming from a malicious way. You may genuinely want to help other people, but the way that you go about it can be very aggressive and controlling. So if you find yourself always trying to micromanage other people or, you know, you get frustrated when people don't change, this may be an area for you to put a finger up. Number four, you have trouble maintaining meaningful relationships. It says, no one ever says, you know what I like about her? She's a control freak. Control freaks repel people with their demands and unsolicited advice. Consequently, they struggle to maintain healthy personal and professional relationships. Now, this was an interesting one because I feel like a lot of people who struggle with control or may identify as control freaks may not realize that this is a reason why they may not have a bunch of close, um, intimate relationships. And this is something to really take a deep dive and an honest look at yourself and look at your relationships around you and how do people respond when they are around you? Do they respond in tension? Do they tend to uh, drift away when you start giving demands? Like how do people respond around you? This will give you a good indicator for how to measure your relationships. Now we're really going to start to zone in and you may feel a little bit triggered by these. So just make sure that you're opening up and you're being honest with yourself. Number five. You can tell that you're a control freak if you spend a lot of energy trying to prevent bad things from happening. It says, rather than prepare yourself for a storm, control freaks try to prevent the storm from coming, even when they can't. They often waste much time and energy hoping bad things won't happen because they doubt their ability to deal with hardship. This is a huge one, and a lot of people probably don't realize that they do this, but you may be identifying yourself as a proactive person, but really what you're doing is being super obsessive about avoiding uncomfortable situations. You're probably an over-planner who over-analyzes things. You think things so much through that you actually get anxiety about the scenarios that you've thought about that haven't even happened yet. You're also probably someone who hates being told, just calm down. It's not that serious. Just let it go. Just move on. This is an attempt at people trying to pull you out of that obsessive state. But in your mind, you see it as they are targeting you. That You see it as it, that what's an urgency to you is not necessarily an urgency to them. And you become very defensive. So if you identify with any of those statements, go ahead and put another finger up. I know I definitely do. Y'all still with me or have y'all closed up? If you closed up, keep on opening up because we got two more things. Number six, you can tell that you're a control freak if you don't delegate tasks. 
It says a control freak firmly believes if you want something done right, you better do it yourself. They refuse to delegate tasks because they're convinced doing so will ultimately require more of their time because they'll have to fix whatever mistakes someone else made. If they do delegate, they insist on micromanaging every step of the way. Now, this is something that I struggled with in a major way with delegating tasks. And I want to add something that I feel like a lot of people who struggle with this will identify. If you do get to the point where you have to delegate tasks, you probably only delegate part of the task because you assume that the entire task will be overwhelming or someone will do it wrong. So by only delegating part of the task, you still retain some control. And in the end, you'll be able to fix whatever is done. If you resonate with that, go ahead and put another finger up. Last one, y'all. Open up. Number seven. You can tell that you're a control freak if you lack compassion for people who make mistakes. It says, since control freaks believe that success stems solely from talent and effort, they lack compassion for those who struggle. They view mistakes as signs of laziness or stupidity, and they think everyone should succeed regardless of their circumstances. If you identify with that, then most likely you're the person who everybody says, why are you looking at me like I'm dumb? Or why are you talking to me like I'm dumb? That's probably a response that you hear often because you're always moving at a different pace. Now, I want to add some additional clarity to this point as well, because I feel like sometimes you don't realize that you lack compassion for other people. Sometimes you're just moving at such a high speed and you're processing at such a high rate that you don't take the time to slow down and realize that everyone thinks and learns differently. Sometimes you can be so focused on your own zone that the lack of compassion comes in where there's a lack of time for people to process what they need to process in order to execute efficiently. And I find this a lot. I found this out a lot about myself when I began to delegate tasks. I began to get very frustrated for why it was taking certain people so long to do things. But then, you know, I had to realize that people are not me and that's not a bad thing. When you're building a team, especially, or even when you're teaching someone how to do something, there has to be a level of grace involved when you're dealing with different personalities. Different personalities and skills make your team diverse and it's actually a benefit. You don't want a team of just you. Like that's not going to be helpful. That's only one limited way of thinking. And a team should be a collection of creative solutions. And that's definitely something that I had to learn. It is a process. All of this, if you identify with any of those statements, it is a process once you realize that, you know, you do struggle with control. And the first step is always just awareness. Now that we've gone through these different things, you can be honest with yourself and say, okay, you know what? I do struggle with control. I am a control freak. And then you can begin to work on how to surrender that control in different areas. Like I said in the beginning, you may not be a control freak in every single area of your life. You may only be a control freak in business or you may only be a control freak in your personal life or in relationships. But some of us may struggle with being a control freak in all areas. And um, I was talking to my mom and we were talking about this very topic and she said something that was so profound. She said that a lot of people who are control freaks struggle with anxiety. 
And it made so much sense because I think indirectly looking on the outside, we can clearly see how anxiety and control are related. But when you're in the thick of it, when you're the one that's dealing with it, it's hard to put the connection together. And so when I began to look up the definition of anxiety, it says anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Now, the definition that God gave me, which was a very simple and effective definition in my eyes, is anxiety is fear of what you can't control. It's fear of the unknown. And it brought me back to this time. I remember I was in my car and I was so frustrated about the things that were going on in my life. And I told God, I said, God, I feel like I have no control over what's going on around me. For the first time, there's nothing that I could predict. There's no action that I could take to change the course of what's happening in my life. And I had this breakdown moment in my car. And I told God, I was like, God, I'm angry at you. I don't want to be angry at you. But I felt like because I couldn't control everything that was going on around me, I felt like I had to target my anger towards someone. And so I targeted my anger towards God because I felt like it was his fault. I felt like the things that were happening in my life were to harm me. But I was just in a, a jaded view. I had a limited perspective because of my emotions. And so after I began to cry and let it all out, of course, he comforted me after. But as soon as I opened my eyes, I looked up and I saw the emergency warning that was on my visor. And by visor, I mean that the thing when you're driving your car and the sun is coming in, you want to block the sun, you pull down your visor and move it in the front of you, on the side of you so that, you know, you can see when you're driving. And so as soon as I looked up, there was a warning label there and it said, warning, even with advanced airbags, children can be killed or seriously injured by the airbag. Then it said the back seat is the safest place for children. Never put a rear-facing child seat in the front. Now, I didn't understand why this stood out to me at first, but as I just began to sit quietly in the car, God began to speak to me and give me revelation. And I'm going to share with you guys. No matter how much time we spend with God, no matter how much advanced training we have, we are still susceptible to damage. Even with the most advanced airbags, if you do not take proper precautions, you could be killed. It literally says the best place for a child is the backseat. There's a reason why God tells us to come to him like a child, because children don't have control. Children let their parents lead, and God is our father. He is our leader and our shepherd. When we try to become our own leaders and drive ourselves, we put ourselves at risk. The driver is always the one who takes the biggest hit in a car crash. That's why who you allow to direct your life matters. If the driver is caught off guard, it causes damage to the rest of the passengers. One thing we all hate is backseat drivers. We hate when people give us direction on how to drive, but we do that to God all the time. And I heard God say, surrender to me and let me drive. So I'm sharing that with you. Let God drive. Get out of the driver's seat. Stop trying to control the next turn and what's going to happen next and anticipate the next move. Get out of the driver's seat and let God drive. When you try to move ahead of God, you have no idea what's on the other side of that. It said that the person who's driving takes the biggest hit. That means that if you 
move outside of God's timing, you're the one that's going to receive the damage. But when you're moving with God, when you're moving at the pace of grace, if something comes your way, it hits God first. God is your fortress. He's your strong tower. He's where you run to for protection. So if something hasn't happened yet on your timing, it's just not the timing for that. God knows when everything is going to happen. And it says that he will withhold no good thing from you. The word also says there are many plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord who establishes his steps. We have to learn how to let God be God in every areas of our lives. That means in our finances, in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our businesses, we have to give control to God over in those areas. And I believe that's the biggest frustration that we have in our personal walks with God is that we're frustrated and we're angry with him because we can't control God. We cannot control how he moves, what he does, what he says, when an answer prayer comes. We can't control that. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're frustrated by that. Some of us are bitter and angry about that. But honestly, trusting God is the best place. When you surrender control to God, you're putting your trust in him and you're giving him time to reveal himself to you in different ways. He'll reveal himself as Jehovah Jireh, provider, when you give him the time and the freedom to do so. He'll reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha, healer in your life, when you yield that control to him. He'll reveal himself as a way maker, the light in the darkness. He'll reveal himself to you in those ways, but you have to surrender control. And I know a lot of you are like, how do I do that? If you're really honest with yourself, you can only control what you can control. So when you're in a situation, you're frustrated and you're anxious because things aren't going your way. Focus on what you can do. And what you can do is be obedient to the instructions that God has given. Even when the instructions don't make sense, even when you don't want to do them, even when it seems like it's not the right time to do it, be obedient and be obedient quickly. That is you doing your part. And whatever else is outside of your understanding or your control, leave it at God's feet because you're the one that gets damaged when you try to pick it back up. There's literally nothing you can do when things are outside of your control, but trust God. He's the best person to put your trust in. He always has a higher view of what's going on. Who better? It's like you're driving a car and God is driving a plane. God can see what's happening miles and miles ahead of you. And you can only see three cars in front of you. Who are you going to put your trust in? Yourself who can only see three cars or God who's flying the plane who can see over the entire region. When you put it that way, it, it sounds silly to try to put control and trust in our own selves. But when you think about it from that perspective, you realize, God, I was wrong. And I'm sorry for trying to hold on for, to control because you you know everything and you have my best interests at heart. And so this episode was not to shame you. I had to open up in this episode as well. And I learned a lot of things about myself. This episode was created to invite you into deeper conversation with God, to help improve your relationship with him and to help you walk in that abundant life that he has for you. The only way to walk in that abundant life is by faith. And faith means walking blindly. It means trusting God even when you can't trace him. Sometimes it even involves looking dumb to other people while you're being obedient to what God said. There have been some seasons in my life where I stepped out on faith and I surrendered control to God. And I felt like it had me looking so stupid because nobody else could understand or hear what God said to me. But I knew in my heart. 
There were so many people trying to get me to change directions or to do something different, moving outside of God. But I had to trust that even when I couldn't see things moving, that I serve a God who never sleeps or slumbers. I serve a God who's always working behind the scenes. Those are the times you have to remember who your God is. So if you're struggling to surrender control, just have a conversation with God and allow him to bring those things to the surface. And then in one by one, area by area, go ahead and start surrendering control. It doesn't have to be all at once. It's a process. There's a process to unlearning the way that you have been doing things all of your life. And that process is called the renewing of your mind. You can't renew your mind on your own. You need God to bring things to the surface. You need him to correct you when you're wrong, to remind you of when you need to get back on the path and to just walk with you through this process. And that's the beauty of doing life with God is that you don't have to do this on your own. You have the Holy Spirit who is your helper. He's your advocate, your counselor, and he brings everything that you need to live a life that is pleasing to God, a life that is free from unnecessary stress and burdens. It's just so much better when we do things God's way. Sometimes it can be easier said than done, but if you just really submit to that process and allow God to mold you and prune you and break these control habits off of you, you will find yourself walking with so much more peace. So this wraps up another episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. I know you know at least one person who needs to hear this message. So go ahead and text them the link, share the link to this episode on your social media channels, and I'll talk to you guys on the next one.